Hello, this is Ellis Prince, the pastor of the Gallery Church of Baltimore. I want to thank you for joining our podcast today. I hope this teaching inspires you and gives you courage to pursue Jesus Christ. I hope that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. If we can help you in any way, please feel free to reach out. Now let's get back to the podcast. All right, good morning, everyone. Uh, Our Bible verse is from James 1, 1 to 4. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. May God bless his reading of the word. Amen. everybody. Good to see you. Happy New Year to everybody. I wasn't here last week, so Happy New Year. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Y'all are very nice. Kind. This is nice. Um, man, well, I'm super excited to uh, be with you for the next several weeks while Pastor Ellis is getting some much-needed rest. If you have any complaints, problems, issues, my name is Ellis Prince. Please save any messages, emails, send that to that email address. We will take care of everything for you, no problems. Um, But if you have great things to say, anything happy, loving, you know, noble, good, my name is Charlie Mitchell. I'm happy to receive any blessings, cards, gift cards, anything. Amazon, it doesn't matter. Thank you. So really excited to be with you, and I think it's appropriate that... um, Tomorrow we're observing uh, the life of Dr. King. And it's very interesting because Dr. King is a modern day example of what it looks like to integrate fully our faith. There's a lot of different ways in which we can view our faith and there's a lot of different ways people try to separate the Christian faith. And what I mean is this, you can get in the, streams and tribes of churches or philosophies, a way of doing things that's just all in the head. It's very intuitive. It's very doctrinal. It's very, man, if it doesn't make sense, we don't believe it. We don't engage with it. It has to be able to be broken down. And you find this in a lot of tribes that are very doctrinal, theological, very heady. And then there are others who have very contemplative. It's all about the heart, how I feel and all the internal worlds. And so you hear all of these things about introspection and meditation. It's very personable, and it's an internal process, and their faith is very personal. It's all about the heart. But then you have others that are very justice-oriented. It's all about the hands. What are we doing in the streets? What are we doing to make a difference in the world? And when we look at those three things, That's a full picture of the faith. We need the doctrine about who is God? How does the world function and exist? What does the Bible say about these things? We need to know and understand the faith. We also need to deeply feel and engage and and look inside and go, man, how am I being transformed and changed about what are we actually doing? So when you look at a life like Dr. King, you see all three. It's an amazing picture, and it's also something for us to aspire 
towards, that we are not people who just pick a lane and go, this is the kind of faith that I'm comfortable with. I just want to think about all the deep things of God. Well, that's good. But if you're not doing anything in the streets, what good is it? If you're feeling all these deep things on the inside, but you're not compassionate, what good is it? If you're just going and you're like, man, I'm confused about, I hear this all the time. What is the will of God for my life? But there are people in need around you and you have not actually gotten to know who God is. So you're constantly questioning him and yourself and not doing anything about it. That's a deficient life in the faith. But what we can have is a life that blends together both our words and our deeds. So that's our goal. That's our aim for the book of James. And uh, yesterday I went to a basketball game. I'm not going to tell you the two little kids in my house that, whose game it was, but I went to a basketball game. And um, it was interesting because it's a little basketball game and they're doing their thing, a bunch of little kids running around on the court. It's very chaotic. It's very kind of fun. If you're just an observer, it's very chaotic. If you're a parent, it's, it's very overwhelming. But what I was watching on the sidelines was the coach. And the coach was out there with a little clipboard. Have you ever seen this before? Clipboard, and he's yelling, and it's just all kind of running around on the court. I don't think the kids knew what was going on. They're trying to listen to their parents. They're trying to listen to the coach. They're trying to look at the kid in front of them, and it's all kinds of chaos. But that coach, after the game was all over, he said something very interesting that one of the kids in my house did not like to hear. After they played that game, he said, listen, on Tuesday at practice, it's going to be a strong practice. And when we look at the book of James, he's not only trying to integrate both our life, our words, and our deeds. He's wanting to make sure that you have the right mindset going into this game of faith. He's like, hey, listen, we're going to talk about a whole lot of things. We're going to talk about things that are doctrinal. You're going to learn about God and how he operates in the world and how we should respond to him and his character. We're going to also learn about our tongue, why we need to tame our tongue. We need to make sure that we're doing the deep interior work so that we live right. But we're also going to have to care about people and be generous and uncomfortable with people we don't necessarily like. We got all that kind of stuff. But first, before we start diving into all these various topics, you got to get the right mindset. Because if you don't get the right mindset, we're going to get into the third quarter of the game and you're going to be like, man, I'm, this is too much. But you need the right foundation before you even get started, okay? So that's what we're diving into this morning. That's what we're diving into this morning. And what was just read before us was James chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. And James is an interesting character because he is the younger brother of Jesus, Y'all know that? James had, he, Jesus had a younger brother? And so it's interesting because with siblings, anybody in here got siblings? Brothers and sisters? Okay, I've got younger brothers and sisters. Listen, younger brothers and sisters, I've got some older siblings as well, even though I'm one of the older ones. I've got some younger ones. There's this interesting thing when you're a younger sibling. I'm not interested in listening to what the older siblings say. You're not my what? Boss. You're not my mom, you're not my dad, you're one of us. So don't try to boss me around. So here is very interesting that you have James, the younger brother of Jesus, 
This says something about who Jesus actually is if you're wondering about his character and his qualifications. To have his younger sibling saying, this is what Jesus the Lord says. Because my younger siblings don't give me no slack. So, I mean, you're not mom, so I didn't hear her say it, so I'm not doing it. Last night, wasn't it last night? Hey, uh, Gabby, mommy said, do the dishes. I didn't hear mommy say it, so I'm not going to do no dishes. But now here we have a record from James, the younger sibling of Jesus, and he's staking his life on you need to listen to him. So it says something about his credibility, who this man is and who he's speaking to. He's speaking to churches that are scattered abroad. They're scattered abroad, not because they like to travel like many of us. They're scattered abroad because there's persecution in the land for what they've chosen to believe, for who they've chosen to believe in. So now he's having to speak to these people, letting them know, hey, I need you guys like a good coach. A good coach is one that makes you uncomfortable. He points out the weaknesses. He points out the things that make us uncomfortable, but his goal is to make us be better. He wants us to actually play and win and become mature and whole. He wants us to excel. So as a good coach, he's saying, hey, guys, I know it is hard right now. You're under all kinds of persecution. You're being challenged. Things are uncomfortable. This might not even be what you signed up for. Some of us came into Christianity, into the faith under what is called easy believism. Hey, if you come to Jesus, everything will go great. It's the good news. Everything is going to go great for you. I got news for you. That is not true. But Jesus didn't say that. Some preacher said that. Jesus actually said, in this life, you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. So when we listen to Jesus, he goes, hey, listen, there's going to be trouble. Now James, the younger brother of Jesus, starts in the very same way. Guys, we are facing trouble right now. And in your lives and in my life, we are facing many trials and troubles. But I need you to reframe this, reimagine the possibilities. What could the coach, the Holy Spirit, be doing right now? What is the tutor trying to teach us? And that's the reframe. So that's why the title of this message is For Your Consideration. Because I want you to have this for your consideration. I know some of us are feeling all kinds of anxiety. So only the first week of the year, and we're already feeling like, man, this isn't starting out how I thought it was going to go. This isn't what I expected. This isn't what I wanted to do. Man, there's already disappointment going into this new year. I thought I left that behind in 2023. And I need you to consider, what if Jesus is at work in your life in a way that may feel uncomfortable, but it's actually for your good? So let's check this out. Let's check this out. We all hate tests. I hate tests. I hate every kind of test you can ever imagine. I hate tests in general. I know some of you are Hopkins students and y'all are in the medical profession. Y'all are well-educated. Some, some of y'all excelled in school. Y'all, like, y'all did good. Some of us see students. We just tried to make it through. And we hate tests. I hate blood tests. I hate every kind of test. I hate a drug test. I ain't even taking drugs. I don't even want to take that test. 
Don't test me. Maybe it was the poppy seeds. I don't know. I didn't do it. (laughs) But I remember growing up, there was one test that stood head and shoulders above all the rest that I just just didn't want to take. And the test came every year, once a year, and it was the absolute worst. And it was this test right here, the presidential fitness test. (laughs) My kids are homeschooled, so they'll never know the pressure the pain, the anxiety one feels when that presidential, you're going to PE happy, man, get to chill, you're going to play with your friends, you're going to do your thing, it's going to be fun. You got to dress out, it's okay, but whatever, it's going to be fun, it's PE, until that gym teacher comes out, hey guys, you know what this week is? Presidential fitness exam week. And that was our response right there, (laughs) crickets. And if you don't know, what the presidential fitness exam was. And it's probably says something about America that we need to have a presidential fitness exam for children, okay? (laughs) To make sure that y'all are physically fit to just live life. But here's what the presidential fitness exam was. You had to do the sit-ups. You had to do the mile run. I'm from South Florida. Had to do the mile run. Pull-ups, push-ups, the arm hang, and the sit and reach. Y'all remember the sit and reach with the little box thing that extended too far and you're trying to... Now, I've got a picture of what I used to look like doing the presidential fitness exam. I want y'all to get a glimpse of what I was struggling with back in the day, Okay. This is a representation. This isn't an exact photo. This is a representation. Okay? Now, as a chubby kid, this was the worst week of the year. I remember the snickering, the stressing, the staring, the sweating. And what made it so difficult was because you had to do it in front of other people. See, the the gym teacher had to go to each child. So if you're doing the arm hang, all you got to do is hang on the bar. Just hang. And then they tested how long can you hang? Two seconds, five seconds, 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Well, when you got extra weight, they don't know the struggle. (laughs) The push-ups, the mile run, all those things. Let's get this picture out of here, okay? I'm I'm getting (laughs) So I hate tests. And then when we look at this scripture, we see all kinds of, we see a test here. But how do you measure health? You got to test it. How do you measure how well things are going? How do you, how do you gauge if something successful is going good, if, it, if it's functional? You got to put pressure on it to see. How did they test these chairs that you're sitting on? Somebody had to sit on it to test. Was it safe for you to come and sit on? So if you want to see if your heart is working pro- properly, you know what they do? They put it under stress. They put you on the treadmill. For me, I had to get a Exam done where I thought I was going to die. They had to put it under stress. If you want to see if your pipes or your plumbing has leaks, what do they do? They put it under pressure. If you want to see if an athlete is great, you put them under pressure. You ne- if you never receive pressure, if you never go through anything difficult, if you never go through hardship, how do we know if you're growing or maturing? But then we face tests 
And a lot of times our first instinct is to tuck tail and run. So first point I want to share with us is we must experience testing. We must experience testing. What does James, the brother of Jesus, say? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. What I like the way the, uh, the message said it. Consider it a sheer gift when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. I don't know about you, but that's not my instinct. Is when the heat is up, things are going wrong, everything seems to be falling apart, and I'm just supposed to go, man, I'm going to raise a hallelujah. I'm not singing that. That's why we have to sing those songs to remind us, oh, in the presence of my enemies is where I'm supposed to raise a hallelujah. But instinctually, we wait till all the enemies clear out. We got a clear path. Everything is nice. Now I can raise a hallelujah. But James is going, listen, listen, if we're going to run this race, if we're going to be, if we're going to grow in this life with Jesus, you've got to learn how to do the opposite of what comes natural. You've got to change the mindset. Here's the first thing you got to do if you're going to experience testing. Listen, the first thing we have to reframe is this. Testing is not punishment. Man, God, what did I do wrong? What's going on? I must have done something. Remember Job's friends talking to him? He's going through hardship. He's losing. He's, lo he's lost his finances. He's lost his health. He's lost his, his wealth. He's lost his health. What is he going on? And they go, man, Job, you must have done something. Many of us go through many dark nights and we go, man, I must have done. What did I do? What am I reaping right now? No, no. Testing is not punishment. Testing is not harmful in and of itself. It is there to do something in you. The test has a purpose. I wish I had that when I was in school. I wish I understood that these teachers were not trying to sabotage me or hurt me. Might have done a little better in school. What is it? Tests are a part of life so that we can grow. Tests are all throughout the scriptures. Isaiah 48.10 said, look, this is Isaiah the prophet speaking on behalf of God to the nation. Look, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Oh, man. Proverbs 17.3, the crucible of silver in the furnace for gold but the Lord tests the heart. He's in the business of seeing, okay, I need, to, I need to see him mature. I need to see him grow. I, need to, I want to see him get better. I want to see him, man, I just want to see him excel. I want them to become more like me. I know that they are not experiencing all that they could possibly experience in this life. So you know what I got to do? I got to put them in some scenarios. I got to allow some things to happen around them so that we can see what's really on the inside. And what is he doing? What is the goal of this testing? What is it? It's to build endurance. Endurance is the, is, is, the, is the ability to have power and bear through pain. It's the ability to go through and endure hardship. And right now, we're in a very fragile culture. We're a very fragile age where everything it feels hostile. 
Everything feels like it's unbearable. And what James is trying to do is have us have an anti-fragile faith. You are going to go, like Jesus, it's so great that Jesus, Jesus is like, hey, listen, there is no money back guarantee. There is no like, everything will be work out fine. It's, no, you're going to go through difficulty if you walk with me. I'm just going to tell you that up front. Somehow we still talk ourselves into, no, it should be great right now. You, I follow you. You died so that I wouldn't have to like pay, have pain. I don't, want, I don't want difficulty. I don't want anything. And it's like, no, 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 no. I need, I need you to grow, so I'm going to put you under pressure. But I'm trying to build endurance so that you can have the ability to outlast, to continue, to regain your strength, despite your fatigue, despite your stress, despite the conditions around you. I want you to have stamina. I want you to have staying power. And when I look around at myself, my family, the community I grew up in, the people around me, we don't got a lot of stamina. Like those little kids on that basketball court yesterday. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, you don't do nothing but play video games. How are you winded? Like, you, you what is that? There's a lack of development. And what the game showed was where we need to work. So that leads us to point number two. Here's what it is. We are being exposed. That's what tests do. They expose what's on the inside of you. They expose our weaknesses. Because James goes on to say, consider a pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. But I got to put you in a position so that you can see you don't have much perseverance. So we got to work. We got to get it together. Many of you don't like to share your faith. I don't like to share my faith sometimes. Why? Because I feel a gap between who Jesus is and what people expect of me. Right? So a lot of people don't talk about the fact that they're Christians and they got faith because they know the people around them will expect them to act like Christians. I thought you were, well, don't you go to, and it's even harder for somebody in my position who claims to be a pastor, a preacher, or whatever. Aren't you a pastor? Like, so what church you? Why? So if you say that to people, there's an immediate expectation. And what happens when I'm being tested I'm starting to see all the impurities that are in here. And so rather than saying anything, I keep it to myself. So then people are judging me by themselves. I look way better than you compared to you. But he says, it's like the old song that we sing sometimes. I can see your true colors shining through. And that's what happens when we're under pressure. When that pressure comes, things start to ooze out of us that we probably didn't even anticipate were in there. Oh, that's in there? So what has been coming out of you these last few weeks? We just spent time through the holidays. Some of us had to deal with family. We've been trying to avoid all year long. Some of us had to have conversations with people we just don't want to have conversations about. There are things going on at work, that coworker. oh my gosh, you see them come around that corner, your heart sinks because you know it's going to be a long day. And what I would say is this, 
What has been coming out of you the last couple of weeks? Fear, joy, doubt, peace, anger, love. I'll take you into my life this week. This week, I got put in a little bit of a test. Okay, I'm going to tell you about this test. You're in a long line waiting with my three kids and we're in line and it's going to be a line that we're going to be in for a long time. And it's cramped spaces and all of this. But of course, there's other people around. And then there's these other families with all their kids and all of this. And so here we're walking through the aisle, through the line, through the line. We're just waiting to take our turn so we can get out of here. And then what happens? There's this family. This woman, the mom has a baby strapped to her chest. Then the dad has the other two toddlers. He's got string cheese, goldfish, juice cups, water bottles, everything to appease his little children. Mommy's doing this. The dad's trying to corral. And what does that one snotty-nosed kid start doing? Throwing a temper tantrum. Screaming, stomping the whole nine yards. And of course, what do we all do as people who are just civilized and know how to raise our children? We look back and just, oh my gosh, get a hold of your child here. Now, none of you would do that, but that's what I did, okay? That's what, that's what I was feeling on the inside. And I'm going to be honest with you, judgment just rolls straight to the top, all kinds of self-righteousness, see? And, I, and they show rookies, rookies, they don't know what they're doing. You know what I mean? I would never never do this, okay? See, what I've done is I've crafted a plan. I, I mean, I shared this with my little tribe here of how I've raised my kids with them, and then I just felt the Holy Spirit tap me on the shoulder. Oh, so you got all this parenting stuff figured out, huh? <laughs> judgment. I was under pressure, a little bit of pressure, and judgment rose to the surface. So based on what's coming out of you, we know what to work on now. Many of us would go, oh, man, what was, I, mean, I shouldn't have done, oh, I'm so sad. I don't, no, Charlie, that's in there. Now we see, okay, let's, play, let's make a plan of action so we can address that kind of judgment when it comes. Oh, man, many of us go through religious rituals all year long. Some of you have already made resolutions. I'm going to pray more. I'm praying and fast. 21 days. I'm doing this and this and this. But it's not particularized to your thing that have been coming out of your life. I said, oh, what is the antidote to the judgment that I'm feeling on the inside right now? What is it? You know what one antidote is? Compassion. Charlie, you need to have some more compassion. You need to be able to open up your heart a little bit when you see people struggling like that. Why? Because you know what that's like to struggle in that same position. What if I had, oh, you know what? I might need to tap into a little bit more generosity. That's a practice that'll offset that judgment that I felt brewing. You know what I might need to do? I might need to fast because I, hey, Charlie, you obviously have it all together. So why don't you deprive yourself for a short season to remind yourself, hey, we don't always have it the way we want it. So those are antidotes to the thing that was presented in my life. Why? When you're being tested, you're being exposed. So there's nothing to be ashamed or prideful about. There's no need to just condemn yourself. No, you go, oh, I have the Holy Spirit who is a tutor in my life, and he's showing me something about myself so that I can what? Grow. Grow. 
And then, once we see that we've been exposed, we hit the third thing, and that is to trust the process. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces, it's going to make you better. It's going to help you to endure longer. Let perseverance finish its work. Let it do its job so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If James had just stopped at the first sentence, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Many of us would have to walk away from this thing. But he goes, no, I'm not telling you to just put on a happy face and do spiritual bypassing around the pain you feel. No, he's actually being a good coach, trying to get you to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. But you got to do this one thing. Do not short circuit the process by quitting too soon. Don't short circuit the process because you quit too soon. I heard one speaker say it like this. Don't cry and quit. Cry, but get a reward for your pain. Listen, I respect those marathon runners out there running. They're dying. Legs are burning. Chest is heaving. I probably will never know the feeling, but I get it. I can imagine. But they're crying, but doing what? Still running. Many people go, ah, this is too much pain, and then walk off the track. And that is what happens. It can be tempting to hit the eject button when you're in the middle of a test or a trial, but you've got to do, trust the process. You've got to trust the process. God, I am going to, as the song said earlier, raise a hallelujah, and I don't feel like it. This does not feel good. And you can acknowledge that before the Father and say, hey, Lord, can you do what, what, what Psalm 30 verse 5 says? I know weeping will endure for a night, but I'm telling you, please have some joy waiting for me in the morning. So don't, eat, don't hit the eject button. And that's why a lot of us have to go through test after test after test and learn the same lesson because we go, man, this is too much. And many times it is too much, but your goal should not be, ah, I just got to get through this. No, no, no. Your goal should be, ah, how do I become better because of this? That is the shift in the mindset. The Holy Spirit isn't there. Jesus isn't there trying to sabotage you, trying to ruin your life, trying to fill your life with pain and misery. He knows, hey, if they follow this through, they don't even know what's on the other side. I just need them to trust me long enough that I'm actually doing work that's beneficial for them. And I got to tell you, I'm going through tests right now that I'm just like, Jesus, I know you've been faithful in the past. I need you to be faithful again today too and tomorrow because this feels like too much. But let endurance have its full effect so that put a new goal out front. I want to be mature and complete, lacking nothing. That's Jesus' goal for you. I want you to be mature and complete. That's why I put this particular obstacle in your way. This particular person, 
this scenario, this loss, this disappointment, this uncomfortableness, this, this, all these things, you're just going, man, all of these things, I feel like I'm being attacked and you are having a spiritual battle, but I need you to remember, what's the mindset? Consider it pure joy because I know he's making me better if I go through this. So as soon as the wind of discomfort blows, many of us whine and complain and retreat, but God is making us more complete. So make your prayer this week, Lord, give me endurance. Give me the endurance you've promised me here. And how do we get that endurance? It's very practical. It's not a mystery. You don't have to just magically create it. It's very simple. It takes work. How do you get endurance? Runners, they got to run. <laughs> Football players, they go to practice twice a day. Basketball players, they do sprints. Bodybuilders, they put more weight on the bar. What do disciples of Jesus do? We practice spiritual disciplines. We read the scriptures. We pray. We meditate on the word. We fast. Many of us, we take silence and solitude seriously. Man, you know what? I need 30 minutes. I don't need any dings, bells, <laughs> notifications. I don't need any. I just need to silently just remain here knowing that God's presence is here with me. Some of you need to learn how to celebrate this week. Some of you need to learn how to celebrate. I, there's a great book I read one time called The Gap in the Game. The gap is many of us focus on, man, look how far I need to go. And we forget how far we've actually come. And I go, man, when I look back at where I've come, oh, Charlie, now you got, you done made some, you done made some time and some distance. Yes, you still have a way to go, but man, focus on the gain that you've made. Then what does that mean? Celebrate the fact that you made the milestone. Man, I, I prayed five times this week. Praise God. I don't know if I'll make it to prayer night. I don't know if I'll fast 21 days, but doggone it, I fasted for two hours. I fasted lunch today. And there was a tool we created a couple years ago called the Boom Tool. Be open to outstanding moments. Be open to outstanding moments. Maybe God might whisper something to you while you're in the car in traffic. It might be the right song at the right time. It might be a phone call from somebody you didn't expect. It might be some level of encouragement throughout the day. Be open to the outstanding moment that Christ may create in that moment and celebrate it. Oh, you were with me today at work because I was about to go off. Woo! And Lord, you rescued me. You put that thing on pause, and I was able to walk through that meeting with no problem. And that's how we learn to get endurance. And the final thing is this. The reason we get put in tests like that sometimes, and he wants us to go through these things, is so that we learn how to lean on Jesus. That's the goal. I don't want you to be self-reliant. I don't want you to look at 2024 as a way, man, I got to figure out how I'm going to do this. All of them, no. Our goal is to become like Jesus. That's what his aim is. Okay, so I've got to learn how to lean on him. I love what Isaiah 28 says. Isaiah 28 says, so this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion. A what, a what kind of stone? A tested stone a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. 
So you're not going through testing because God wants to mistreat you. No, you are following in the legacy of those that have gone before you, namely Jesus and all the great cloud of witnesses that celebrate you every single day. So we are in this journey together saying, okay, I am becoming more and more like Jesus. I want to, there's an image I got to just the, uh, um, that can show us like we go from struggling and we move up from strength to strength as we learn how to endure tests, trials, and things that are coming for us. This is how we integrate both word and deed. This is how we just move from just being thinkers about God and feelers about God and just justice doers about God. No, we become full, integrated, mature, and whole disciples of Jesus. Because why? We lean on him. We lean on the community he's provided for us. And we lean on the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. And that's how we are transformed. We lean on the tested stone so that we can endure the test together. Amen? Amen. So that's for your consideration. Now, you could take it or leave it. You'll probably face a trial or a temptation or a difficulty this afternoon. But I want you to consider what James is saying. Consider it pure joy because you know if you let it do its work, you might be better for it. Amen? Let me pray for us. Jesus, I want to thank you for your kindness and your goodness towards us that you didn't leave us. You said to the disciples, I am leaving you a comforter. He will remind you of all the things that we forget. So we thank you for the Holy Spirit. Lord, we allow the Holy Spirit to teach us, to show us. Give us new lenses as we enter into the week. To go, okay, I know this is hard, but what do I need to consider right now? What good could come out of this? And even if I don't know what it could be, Lord, help me to just trust you. So increase our faith today. Some of you need to respond by just putting your faith in Jesus for the very first time. I tell you, man, I highly recommend you do that. Jesus is the best friend you could possibly have, and he's given his life for you. So some of you need to put your trust and faith in Jesus for the first time today. But many of us, as we look back over the last couple of weeks, months, days, maybe even hours, we've got things to confess. And some of us even just got encouraged because we go, oh, God isn't against me. So for the believers in the room, I invite you to take communion, partake in communion this morning as a way of celebration and reflection. Christ, I just thank you that you've get, you, your blood was shed for me. I know I don't have it all together, but I'm covered in your blood. And we look forward to the day where we're no longer having tests and trials and tribulations, but we celebrate Jesus together as we've made it through. Pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Gallery Church Podcast. I want you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your mind and heart. Let Jesus through the Holy Spirit do the deep work that only he can do. I want to say thank you to everyone who gives to the church. Your gifts make this podcast and ministry possible here in Baltimore and other parts of the world. You can be a part of our work by going to gallerychurchbaltimore.com give 
or by downloading the church app from the app store. You can also subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening or watching and may God's grace and peace be with you.